Well, it's hard to believe, but it is Christmas Eve. We're just a few hours away from Christmas. And as we head headlong into this, as we come off of all of these busy weeks of preparation, um, I know that every year I, I just want to get Christmas right. Uh, I know at the end of this past few weeks of services, we've kind of moved through Advent. Advent is this season of waiting, and we put it in the church calendar on purpose, this expectant waiting of moving into Christmas. And every week I'd kind of give a challenge to spend some time with Jesus, and it just felt like the right thing to do. It's where I wanted to be. And I found myself, um, up until about a week ago, so afraid I was going to miss it again this year. The busyness and all of the great things that are going on were just so enclosed in that I just didn't know if I was going to be able to get there this year. I was looking at the calendar and everything is booked. I don't know about any of you, but I know most of you uh, this time of year is just packed. All this great stuff, shopping and the children's plays and the food and the friends that are in town once a year and the family that wants to come visit and all the great lights and the displays and all the traditions that you've piled on year after year after year. So now there's like 400 things you have to do in the last day right before Christmas. I'm not sure how we got there. But all of these incredible, incredible things that are sitting there, and I had this sense that I just wasn't going to be able to get there, that everything was just so busy that I wasn't going to be able to get to Christmas this year. And about a week ago, um, things finally took a change, and it wasn't because circumstances changed, though they did, because we've had an interesting couple of weeks, and not only this, but just all of life has just been uh, sporadic and crazy and stuff going on and sick for a couple of weeks, but situations didn't really change, uh, but something did change, and I, I spent some time with the one who changes situations. I spent some time with the one who was able to move into those hard places and change things. About a week ago, I mentioned this last, um, last Sunday, um, Maverick and I, Maverick's my two-year-old son, and I get bedtime a lot. I'm sure it's because Rachel just really wants to gift me with that time. It's not because she doesn't enjoy it, I'm sure, um, with the boy who likes to just run around crazy all the time. Um, but so <laughs> bedtime's kind of my thing. So we've got the whole routine. You know, you've got the bath, you've got to put the PJs on. It's got to be the right PJs. Uh, we have books. Now it's like four or five books. We've got to read Train and Goodnight Moon and all this stuff. But I, he's uh, started this thing after that where he'll ask for Bible. And it's really sweet. And, uh, and, and then he asks for prayer. And then he asks for blanket and tuck. He's figured out how to prolong all of this, mostly. But he also knows, I mean, of my job, I'm not going to say no to Bible as one of those prolonging things, or prayer. And so we get there uh, last Friday. I'm about at peak stress level. Um, uh, there's just weddings galore. There's just so much stuff going on. And uh, we're, we're getting ready down. And I'm, I just want to read like half of one book. I'm skipping pages in Goodnight Moon, hoping he won't uh, notice that the mush and the worm. What's the chair with nobody in? I don't get that one. Um, but... <laughs> I moved to the last page. I'm getting ready to just put him down. I want to throw the blanket on him and be done. And he goes, Bible? So I said, okay. And so we have a little bare Bible that uh, somebody had given to me. Actually, uh, the preacher from when I was growing up sent it to us as a, as a birth present for when AJ was born. It's been a sweet little book. And so I was like, well, let's read the story of the birth of Jesus. And we read it together. And he just sort of snuggled in. And we started doing that every night for the last week. And stuff and life has changed in the midst of that. Life has not changed very much. The calendar was still full. Everything was still going on. But there was a peace that came when we spent some time with that baby. Now, I'm not so far removed from having a baby to think that all babies create this sense of peace. Um, I know some of you have newborns or remember what that's like. But there's something about the baby in the manger. There's something about the child Jesus and that narrative and that, and that time of life that changes everything. And when I finally got there, I got Christmas right. And my hope is that this evening uh, we can do that together. So tonight, uh, right now, uh, we have arrived exactly where we need to be. Uh, no matter how you've walked into this room, no matter the frenetic energy that's there, uh, no matter how busy everything has been, no matter uh, the emotions that are carried into the room, no matter what life has been bringing at you, you are exactly where you're supposed to be. And for this next little bit, uh, we're going to do this together. We're going to get Christmas right. 
So I want to step back and just marvel at the scene of what actually happened on that first Christmas. The day that God entered our world in human form. The day a child was born to us. A day that separates the calendar into you and for many of us separates our new life from our old. So I want to invite you to hear this story once again. I'm going to read from Luke uh, chapter 2 verses 1 through 7. And if you uh, didn't get a chance to hear it fully, listen in here. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. So let's get into the scene a little bit. It's been um, great having a little extra time with that passage this week to look at what's going on around this. In the very first line, they talk about having to go home for a census being taken by Caesar Augustus. So they're in the middle of the Roman Empire, one of the greatest empires of all time. Many of you have studied it in history and maybe have forgotten more than you ever learned about it. Um, and it is an incredible empire. It stretched far and wide and, and just a mass of wealth and power that existed at this time at the hands of Caesar Augustus. He was known and worshiped as a turning point of history. He had brought forth so much of what they had longed for in this time. His birthday was marked as the beginning of the year because he was so exalted because he was looked at in such high reverence that everything revolved around the beginning of his life. He was the, known as the bringer of good news. He was brought the end to war. He restored order. He was the fulfillment of hopes and dreams. He carried this out on the backs of soldiers of war, of fear and taxes. In fact, the census that's mentioned in here, it was being taken so he could get an accurate count because his kingdom, had, the empire had grown so large that he needed to get a count of how many people were gonna be there so he could tax appropriately to make sure the empire could keep go going. He was seated on the ultimate seat of power in the world some 900 years before this, God's people uh, were under terrible oppression and they were under attack by all sides. They were about at the end of their hope and their rope and God came to them through Isaiah and gave them a promise and he told them these words that were captured in Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. He said, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Their hope was that one would come to carry the government and bring peace without end. They were looking for the conqueror, for power, for conquest. They were looking for a king. Interestingly, uh, the people of God had grown weary in waiting for God to fulfill this promise of these 900 years. They'd grown tired, and many of them, so much so that they had come to worship Caesar as the fulfillment of that prophecy himself. And it was at this exact time in history that God steps into this world. He was born to a teenage virgin mother, engaged to a young man from a small town in the middle of nowhere, born in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. It's a quiet scene. A powerless baby at the hand of new parents. I have talked to a couple of folks recently that just had babies and uh, the hospital makes them watch videos of how to nurture and care for their children before they leave because we need instructions on how to not hurt and how to care for babies. And, at this time, they were just given to two people in a manger, the God of the universe in the form of a baby to be taken care of, to be walked through life. It's a very humble beginning. Announce the shepherds tending their flocks in the field. Can you get a sense of the scene? It's so different from everything going on in the seat of power of time. 
the true fulfillment of Isaiah God, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, everlasting father, the prince of peace, uh, was not Caesar on the throne of power in Rome, but a baby born in a manger, uh, born to us, to you and to me, God with skin on, revealing his truest nature. He was present, he was perfect, humbling himself to be known and to restore relationship with us, his people. In 1 Corinthians 1, 27 through 29, it says this, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, that are so that no one may boast before him. Who are you looking for this Christmas? Are you looking for the one who would come in might and power that will be, bring peace through power on a throne? Are you looking for the one who slipped quietly into this world to make all things right by coming straight to his people on a rescue mission of love? The beauty and mystery of Christmas is this. Our God loves us so much that he put on flesh and made his dwelling among us so that he could start a life that would lead to a cross to bring us home. In case uh, you're worried about it, you haven't missed Christmas yet. We're here. We're together. We are at the right place. And the mystery and the beauty is right here for us to behold. And I want to give you a couple of minutes to reflect on that. Um, some space to ponder what happened on that night 2,000 plus years ago that changes our life today. Uh, maybe this is the gift you need this year, some space to sit at the feet of the manger and to remember what happened in that scene, to capture a little bit of the magic of what happened on that night. So as you listen to this song, give yourself the gift of presence with a baby in a manger this evening. <laughs> 